Are you ready to reach the mountaintop of your life? Do you want to turn your dreams into your reality? If that sounds like you, then welcome to the Mountaintop Motivation Podcast. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Mountaintop Motivation Podcast. I'm here with Cynthia Welbrock. Today, we're talking about how you can build your business with referrals. It's such a powerful tool that most people don't use. They think about it as an afterthought. The reason why I brought Cynthia on is because she's built a highly successful business with one referral strategy. So before we get into that, Cynthia, can you introduce yourself? Sure. Sure. Thank you, Jake, for having me. Um, so it's an honor to be part of your show. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. I am Cynthia Welbrock. I live in Denver, Colorado. Uh, I am an attorney, and my practice specialty is employment law. And I've been an attorney for 25 years. And for the last 20, I've had my own law firm. And I represent both individuals and businesses in all kinds of issues concerning all kinds of employment law related issues like wrongful termination, hiring and firing issues, unpaid wages, non-compete agreements, things like that. And about, oh, I'd say about six or seven years ago, um, I created a program called Creating a Respectful Workplace. And the reason that I did that is I get so many phone calls from people saying things like, I'm working in a hostile work environment, what can I do? And what people, most people don't understand what that means. They, they hear that phrase, and if they're being mistreated, they think it must be against the law. And most times it's not, unfortunately. Um, I, they'll tell me, oh, my boss yells at me all the time, calls me names, et cetera, et cetera. But when I ask more questions, I find out that the boss yells at everybody, men and women, black and white. So it's not really discrimination. That would, that would be illegal if it was happening because of their race or their gender or religion, all of those protected classes. But it turns out they just work for an equal opportunity jerk. And there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing I can do about it. And people get very upset when I tell them that because by the time they think to pick up the phone and talk to a lawyer, they're already at the end of their rope. They're feeling pretty desperate. And then I have to tell them the bad news that unfortunately this is not illegal. So mm. I thought, well, I do training on all kinds of employment law matters on helping companies not get sued. Why don't I create something, get out in front of the problem and help make better workplaces? So I wrote this program and I beta tested it with some friends uh, who are partners at law firms downtown. And I did this program for two of their um, firms and everyone loved it and it really changed the climate in the offices and so I decided to keep building on that and then I created uh, an, a separate company called the respectful workplace so I now wear two hats I'm, I'm practicing attorney and a trainer that's awesome I love that and I think it's such a cool thing that you do with the respectful workplace um, and I, I love hearing about how much that impacts people now, what we wanted to talk about here today is specifically a business strategy. We were talking in our mastermind group, and you shared about your business strategy, what you've done with referrals. 
I was so impressed with it because it's something I talk about a lot, but you have done this so well that I thought it would be such a great example for anyone in any kind of business to hear. Can you tell us about how you built out your practice specifically with referrals, what you've done there? Sure. Um, I'm a, I'm a very good networker. And when I first became an attorney, I knew that the best path to building my reputation is by meeting as many people as I could that I could either partner with um, in terms of I can send business to them and they can send business to me um, or just to have some good people in other practice areas other than what I do to send my clients to because I knew that my clients, they're going to get divorced. They're going to need a will. Somebody might get arrested. I mean, and all of these areas that I don't, I don't handle. So I became very involved with the Colorado Women's Bar Association. I joined two women business networking groups um, and met a lot of people in different businesses. And I knew eventually I wanted to have my own practice. And so meeting other business people was also very helpful to me because they don't teach you how to have a practice in law school. They don't teach you the business of practicing law. So I knew it was important to meet other business people. And about five years into being an attorney, I was ready to start my own practice. And I knew I was going to need referrals. And I, I'm not shy, as you know, I'm not shy. And so what I did, if I can share my screen. Of course. Let's see. And for those who are uh, only listening on, on the uh, audio version of this, we'll describe what is being shown here. So for people who aren't familiar with the Denver metro area, um, back in 2000, uh, Denver started um, building out a light rail because the traffic on I-25 was becoming just unbearable. And mm. so it was running from downtown Denver all the way to South Denver and to an area called the Denver Tech Center. And it's called the Tech Center because they built all these office buildings and a lot of technology companies were moving into Colorado. So the city fathers thought, let's just create an area where they can all be together and maybe collaborate or what have you. So the Tech Center was already down there but they had to close I, one lane of traffic in each direction on I-25 down south. And it was a nightmare to go from Denver down to the tech center. Nobody wanted to go there. And so, but I knew that there were attorneys down in that area and also that there were potential clients in that area. So what I did is I knew I, I'm, there's so many different practice areas. And for those who can see this screen, what it is, is the chart. On the left-hand column, I listed different practice areas, such as family law, real estate, patents and trademarks, wills, criminal law, personal injury, workers' compensation, and so on and so forth. And then I had three columns to the, to the right, one for South Denver, one for downtown Denver, and then for those, I'm sure people have heard of the city of Boulder, Colorado, and that's Northwest of Denver. And it's a pretty densely populated area. So what I did is I made this chart and it ended up having 30 boxes for different names of attorneys that I knew who practiced in those different geographical areas and in those different practice areas. So for example, 
I knew somebody in South Denver who practiced family law, but I didn't know anybody in downtown Denver or up in Boulder. I knew somebody in downtown who did wills and trusts, but I didn't know anybody in Boulder or, or in South Denver. So I filled in what I knew. And then I asked friends in those different geographic areas if they knew of any good attorneys. Do you know any good attorney in Boulder that does family law? Great, mm -hmm. I put their name in. Do you know anybody in South Denver who does personal injury? Great, I wrote their name in. And so on and so forth until I filled in this chart and I had the names of 30 attorneys. And I just picked up the phone and called each and every one of them and told them I'm going to be leaving my law firm and I'm going to open up my own practice, but I'm going to need referrals. But my clients, some of them are going to get arrested. Some of them are going to get divorced. Some will need a will. And I want to create a network of referral partners that I know and trust, that I feel comfortable referring my clients to you. And I would ask in exchange that if any of your clients ever have problems at their place of employment, that you would consider referring them to me. Every single attorney that I called and said that to, they just fell on the floor. They were like, nobody's ever made a phone call like this to me. And, mm. I, and I think it was kind of um, almost like, it was like unseemly for some attorneys to be actively soliciting referrals. And, but the thing that I felt comfortable, the reason I felt comfortable doing this is because I was very transparent that I wanted to be able to send business to them because my clients were going to need these things. And mm. so, and, and so I just felt it, there was nothing wrong. There was nothing unseemly about being very transparent that I, I'm going to ask you to refer business to me, but I want you to know that if we meet and I feel comfortable with you and I feel like I, you know what you're doing and you're good at what you do, that you will be getting business from me. And that was 20 years ago. And I feel like there's at least 15 of those people from, I, I, to this day, I wish I still had this chart because I would have put it in a frame and hang it in my office because it's made me hundreds of thousands of dollars over the 20 years because I still get, and I still get business from them and I still send business to them. A lot of them have retired. So, you know, they've left, but I have over the years replaced them with other people in those practice areas and made those same phone calls, had those same cups of coffee with those people. And it's just been, it's been wonderful. Um, and, and I feel like now when my clients call me, like even this morning, I got a request for a referral to a human resources consultant. Uh, one of my clients wants to develop um, some HR policies and practices and procedures that isn't necessarily employment law. And so that he was wondering if I knew somebody. Well, I do. I have two consultants that I use quite often to do investigations and things for me. And so I've never advertised. I've never paid a penny for advertising. And I would say over the last 20 years, I'd say about 80% of my business comes to me from referrals. The rest mm. comes from people who find me online. Now so that, that's, that's, sorry, keep going. So anyway, I don't know how I, oh, stop, stop sharing. That's the go. way. A couple of things I want to break down from this that I think the reason why it works so well is number one, 
you got organized and intentional from the beginning. And this is everyone who's watching this, take notes on these. So Cynthia was organized and intentional from the beginning. She looked at a couple things. We need to think, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, but uh, we need to think like other people think. In fact, we need to think like we think when people ask us for referrals. So when someone asks you for a referral, if you're honest with yourself, what are you thinking? Number one, you're thinking, is this someone I can trust? Is this someone I can trust my friends with? So that, that's number one, friends and clients, those kind of things. But number two, we're thinking, what's in it for me? So how am I going to benefit from it? Then I would say number three, we're thinking, what is the cost that can come from this? And I think this is the one that people are missing. When they seek referrals from other people in their industry, they forget that there is a cost to seeking a referral from someone who is in a competitive business, if they're in a competitive business. So what you did is you looked for people that do not do what you do. Right. But everyone thinks that a lawyer, if you're not a lawyer, you go, oh, well, they're a lawyer. Maybe they can help me with this thing that I'm going through. But they don't know that. And just like if you're a coach, there's going to be people who come to you and ask you about things that you don't do. If you're a speaker, there's going to be people who ask you something that you just don't do. It's not your expertise. If you own any kind of business, you're going to have clients that are going to use multiple different people. You got to think about every single type of business that your client is spending money. And what I've noticed that you did there was when you looked at regions, so you had three different regions, so they're not competing with each other. But most importantly, you're creating things that have same clients, but a different service. So it's not competitive. So it doesn't cost them anything. It only benefits them. And they learn that they can trust you. And I think that's why it worked. I I agree, but I also want to say something about referring to people who com compete with me. Um, as I've gone along in my career, I've gotten clearer on the types of cases that I want to take. And yes. so... I have found that there are certain types of cases I absolutely don't want anything to do with. And yes. I, for many, many years, I was very involved with an organization called the Plaintiff Employment Lawyers Association. Because when I started as an attorney, I was a diehard plaintiff side, employee side attorney. But when I got my own practice, I started getting referrals to small businesses. So I kind of do both sides. And people in PILA, uh, that's the an acronym for the organization. Um, they knew that I do defense side work, but they don't. But mm. there's a lot of cases that I don't want to take. So I have a core group of members of PILA that, like I have a friend, uh, Laura, who she just has this passion to helping um, people who have pregnancy discrimination cases. It's kind of a, it's a passion of hers. And Sometimes I'm just too busy and I can't take everybody that calls me. And so I send those cases to Laura, but Laura gets phone calls from small businesses that need assistance and she does not do defense side work. She sends that stuff to me. And why? One, she knows me, she likes me, she trusts me. And 
I sent her business. So, mm. so it, I would, I would tell people who are listening to this that don't just think like, first of all, when I started my own practice, I definitely was just looking at who does everything I don't do. And that's why I created yeah. that chart. But over the years, I've come to see that there's work I don't want to do and there's work other employment attorneys don't want to do. And so we cross refer to each other. So I would yes. say to people, if you are a coach, maybe somebody comes to you and, you know, whatever it is they want coaching about. And you're like, internally, you don't say this to them, but internally, like, yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to be a good fit, you know, and not everybody's the fit, not every client's right for you and you're not right for every client. And so, but you might know a different coach who, you know what, that is their specialty or they could handle that kind of client. Maybe they might be high maintenance and you just don't have the time or the patience for it, you know, that, but that person, it would be a perfect fit for them. Don't underestimate the possibility that people who are in your same space could also be a referral partner. Yes. And, and you know, it, it, and it also, it makes me look good when I send somebody to somebody good because I always follow up. That's another thing I recommend. You always follow up like a week or two later after you've made the referral that you follow up and, and make sure, did you connect with that person? Did they respond promptly? How was the conversation? Did you feel comfortable? Because if I find out that it took them a week to call somebody back, that makes me look bad, okay? Mm -hmm. And also that's not how I wanna serve my clients. If my clients are in need, I want them to get prompt attention. So that's something to also make sure that, you know, do that follow up, and, and to make sure that that person is being well taken care of. Yes. That's yeah. just, I wanted to make sure to say that. I love that. I absolutely love that thought. I want to add some clarity to what I was saying earlier. I completely agree with that. Some of the best business partners or promotional partners I've ever had have been people who do something very similar to me. Someone who does very, very similar. And it could be like, for instance, in the speaking world, they're not going to hire me again next year. That, that's typically not what happens. Occasionally it does, but typically not. Typically they're going to hire you again in a couple of years. And so I created a, a group of three or four partners that I would, after a gig, I'd refer them. They'd refer me. We'd go back and forth. The reason why I said focus on people that do something different than you is I, I think, or at least my belief is, is that most people don't think the way we're talking about a rising tide lifting all boats and those kind of things. They they tend to think the questions of, well, how is this going to cost me? How is this going to? And so I think a lot of times people will go seek referral partners from other people. And I think that a lot of people just don't see it and don't want to do it. And I I I keep saying I think, but that that is what it is. At least my experience has been is that once I build a real relationship with someone who understands that we can have a mutual beneficial relationship, then it tends to work really well. But if I'm just seeking referrals from people I don't know, trying to build these partnerships, it seems to be much easier to start with people that do something different. I don't know. That's my thoughts on it. Um, Maybe I'm wrong. I think, in the, I think in the beginning, I think in the beginning, it is easier to 
to ask for referrals from people that don't do what you do because they don't feel threatened. But once people, as other employment attorneys have gotten to know me, they know that, first of all, I think the most important thing to remember is to get rid of the scarcity mentality. There's yes. plenty of business out there. There is plenty of business out there, especially if you're good at what you do. People, yes. people talk. And I'm just FYI, everybody, lawyers are the biggest gossips on the planet. <laughs> we all talk about each other. Everyone knows everybody's reputation. It, it's, it just is. And, you know, and so I'm, I had, I had coffee last week with somebody that was in a business networking group I belonged to, and he moved away to Chicago about nine or 10 years ago. And he had business to do here in Denver. And he was going to be here for a week. And he reached out to a bunch of us from this organization to just meet for coffee. He hasn't seen us in years. And so we were just chatting. I was catching up with him about what he's doing. And, and as I'm sitting with him, and I, as I do with every coffee meeting, like, who can I refer these, this person to? Who might benefit from this person? And uh, my friends, their nickname for me is the Connectinator, because every conversation as we'll have a coffee, I'm like, Okay, you need. I, I always bring a little notebook. I bring my bring my little moleskin notebook with me to every coffee meeting. And as we're talking, I'm like, okay, you need to meet so and so. Okay, I'm gonna put my pen down. We'll talk for ten minutes. Oh, okay, I I have to introduce you to this person. Inevitably, by the end of any coffee date, I've got at least three people that I go back to my office and do an email introduction. But as we were talking. I, you know, he was asking how business was, and, and then he asked, you know, where do you, where do you, where are you getting your work from? And I said, most of it's referrals. And he goes, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. You have a really good reputation. Now, this is somebody who's not even an attorney, you know? That's amazing. And, yeah. And I, whatever. And there's another attorney that shall remain nameless that <laughs> I've known, I've known for years. I've never been on opposite sides from her. Always liked her, considered her a friend, have her cell phone in my phone. We've gone for lunches, always seemed perfectly nice. But as an opposing counsel, was horrible to deal with. I mean, obnoxious beyond any attorney I've ever dealt with. And I happened to mention to somebody, oh, I have a case and so-and-so's on the other side. And they went, oh, my God, I'm so sorry to hear that. I mean... And I had never been against her, so I didn't know any of this. And I'm like, what do you know? And then she's she told me stories that, that this attorney had a problem with her. This one had a problem. This one, this one. I'm like, yes, she's done the same things to me. So we all talk. And so that's mm -hmm. something that, that in terms of referrals, especially within your industry, people will talk. And your reputation will precede you. So that is something that I've always been very, very conscious with how I deal with opposing counsel, that no matter how bad they get, I don't get down in the mud with them. I just, I take the high road as much as I can. Now I'll get off the phone and I'll throw something at the wall, but I don't lose it with them because I don't want them to have anything negative to say about me down the road. And yeah. I think that's why I've been successful because people know I'm professional. I keep my cool. 
I don't play dirty tricks. And in terms of referrals, people know that it's not a one-sided street. It's a two-way street. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we just got a few minutes left here. Uh, kind of some rapid fire questions. What What do you think the benefit of focusing, what's the biggest benefit to having a referral-based business? Um, I think you get better better clients. You get fewer tire kickers. So like people who find me online, because if you Google me, just Google employment attorney Denver, I come up on the first page mm. and it's not, I don't pay for Google ads. It's because I have lots of very good Google reviews. Um, but a lot of them are tire kickers. And so, mm. and when I tell them I charge for an initial consultation, they're kind of, uh, I don't know. But if somebody gets referred to me, I'm pre-qualified. That's one of the huge benefits of getting a referral that when somebody says, so-and-so told me, you know, so-and-so gave me your name. Automatically, I, I've gone up in their estimation, even though they've never met me, they may not have even looked at my website, but because they got a referral from another person that they know and trust, they feel already they can trust me. And they're 90% 90, 90 of the time, they will make an appointment for a consultation and they don't even question my fee. So mm. that's one of the benefits of getting referrals. Love that. Um, what are the biggest mistakes that you see? What What's one big mistake that you see uh, from businesses trying to build out a referral business? Um, if they're only doing the what's in it for me thing, you know, mm. it, I, I was, that's why I said in the beginning, I was very transparent. I'm going to need you because my clients will get arrested. They're going to get divorced. They're going to need a will. And I don't, I don't know anybody that does that in your part of town. So you would be helping me. Okay. Mm. But in, in, in exchange, I can be helping you. So instead of me just saying, if you know anybody that got fired, please give them my number. Thank you. Goodbye. You know, that that's very greedy and needy and, and that energy just doesn't work. Mm. What do you think the first three steps would be for someone who wants to emulate what you've done? Um, number one, be very, very clear on what it is that you do and what you can offer and what you don't do. Um, for example, you know, if you don't take cases on contingency, you know, to make sure that you tell those referral people, please don't send me anybody who can't afford to pay me. Just be real clear about that. Um, clear on your yeah. ideal client so you can tell them exactly what you're looking for. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think the other mistake is not finding, not being diligent in drilling down into what that person does. So you don't want to waste other people's time um, by sending them somebody that that they really don't handle that kind of work. So you, you want to really get to know what it is that your referral partner does. So if somebody calls, like somebody called me last week wanting a referral for a particular situation that I don't do. And she's, and I said, well, I have a couple of people that I could give you names. And she said, 
well, can, can you only refer me to people who don't want a retainer more than three or $4,000? Because the other attorneys I've talked to want ten dollars to $15,000 retainers. I know how much it's going to cost to litigate that case. It's going to be easily seventy-five dollars to $100,000. And I yeah. told her, I don't, I don't know anybody to send you to. Because yeah. I know what the minimum retainer is that my, client, that my referral partners want. I know right. the type of client that they serve. And so why would I annoy that referral partner with a client that I already know from the get-go, it's just going to be a waste of their time on the telephone. Yes. And I'm not so sure if it's a mistake or just obnoxious, but when I first opened my practice, there's a law firm in town, I won't say their name, but they're very well-known and the attorneys are excellent, but they started sending me all these referrals. And like, I get one or two a day. And I thought, this is great. I, I'm so glad that they're trying to support me. But as I, as I screen people on the phone, because I, I try to find out in like two or three minutes what their situation is, because I do charge for a consultation. And if I feel that in a couple of minutes, I can tell there's really nothing here, you know, I don't want to waste their time or their money. And as I would talk to them, each and every person that I talked to didn't have a case. That it was apparent within two or three minutes that nothing unlawful happened. It wasn't a good case. And I was getting two or two or three a day from this law firm. And finally, after like a month or two, I called the senior attorney and I asked, do you screen these people before you send them to me? And she said she did. And I said, why aren't you taking those cases? And she's like, well, they really weren't a good fit. I didn't think they had anything, but I thought you might be able to find an argument to help them out. So in other words, she was just passing off crap to me and mm. it was wasting. Each call is about 10 minutes, 20 minutes. And so I was wasting 20 minutes to a half hour every day with these loser referrals. So I would say if you are going to refer someone be sure to take a minute or two to find out what it is that they're looking for because you don't want to waste your referral partner's time. And to yeah. me, I found it somewhat personally insulting that she would send cases that she didn't want to me because they were no good versus when I refer other employment cases to other employment attorneys, it's not because I don't, I will not send a bad case to another attorney. I, I will not do that to somebody. I only send off cases when it's not the type of work I want to do, but I think there's something there, but it's not my, it's not my preference. I'd rather do some other stuff. Mm. So don't, don't send people that, you know, can't pay or, or that they're going to be nickel and diming, you know, cause that's insulting to your referral partner. Yeah. Well, I really like where you're going with that. So be clear on, on what you do and what you don't do. Uh, really be diligent and understand what people what people are looking for and understand who their ideal client then I, I at least what I what I heard number 3 is to actually it's not just about that initial conversation it's about having an ongoing beneficial relationship where you are sending them quality you want to send other people the same quality that you want to receive that's exactly. what i'm hearing from you exactly 
That's fantastic. Well, Cynthia, thank you so much for being on here. I think it was a, a huge benefit for everyone to be able to hear this. You can absolutely do this. You can use this. Be intentional. Go back through this episode and look at all the different points that Cynthia was sharing here and think about how you can apply it into your business. Uh, Cynthia, what's the best way for people to learn more about what you do with the Respectful Workplace? Uh, then go to my website. Well, first of all, you can Google me, Cynthia Wellbrock. I know my last name's not on the screen. It just says Cynthia, but it's W-E-L-L-B-R-O-C-K. And my website is CynthiaWellbrock.com. And the Respectful Workplace website is it's big. I'm sorry. It's respectfulworkplacetraining.com. And, um, you know, if anybody has any questions, you can email me at cew at cynthiawellbrock.com. I'm happy to talk to anybody. If you need any more tips or what have you, I'm happy to chat about it. I'm a big believer in referrals. And the last thing I'll leave you guys with is one other suggestion is don't underestimate the power of a Google review. I would go back in your client list and go back and contact all your happy clients, not all at once because of the algorithm that Google has, but maybe email one or two a week and tell them you want to improve your Google profile because that's why I come up on the first page in Google. I have 72 mm. Google reviews and I would ask them to just say if they... and. Tell them, you know, you can give up to five stars. If you go and give anything less than four, call me first. <laughs> but obviously, <laughs> you're going to write to the people who you know really got something from what you did with them. And just and then give them a link. Make it simple in the email for them. Just click on the link to just go there and take a minute or two, say something good. Just do one or two a week. If you If you do a big dump of like 10 or 15 a week, Google will think you're soliciting for these and they won't post them because they won't look mm. legitimate. So yeah. it took me about three or four years to build up to do that. But when I finish a case, about a week later, I'll send an email to my client and ask them to do it. Everyone has said yes. And um, that will help improve your presence on Google. Um, so if somebody's looking for coach in the Sacramento area or business coach down in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you're more likely to come up higher. So, yes. and love that. And those reviews are almost like a referral. When people see 10 or 15 positive things, they're like, oh, this person must be pretty good at what they do. Um, I can't tell you how many people say, I found you on Google, I saw your reviews, and I thought, I'd, I'd like to hire you. And nobody specifically told them to call me but they saw somebody else was happy. So that that's another, another way to get business. It's almost like a referral, but somewhat different. Mm, thank you for sharing that. That's wonderful. Well, Cynthia, thank you for your time today. This was fantastic. Hope all that you got, all of you got so much out of this episode as much as I did. Cynthia, we have a tradition here. We end every episode with a virtual fist bump. So as we end oh. it here, put this fist bump up right to the camera. Oh. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something great out of it. And most importantly, I hope that you're going to implement something that you learned in this episode because nothing happens until you take action. If you're a six or seven figure entrepreneur, 
who's looking to up-level your network with a group of people who also have a rising tide lifts all boats attitude, then come and join our exclusive network of successful entrepreneurs by going to mtmsuccess.com slash rising tide.